Hey, welcome back to First Generation, a podcast for the first generation Asian kids navigating adulthood. I'm your host, Jen, and in this episode, I did something I never thought possible. I got to interview a listener of the podcast who was not my friend to begin with and who found my podcast completely organically. When I started this a year ago, um, in the beginning of 2022, I never would have thought that this podcast would reach someone outside of my own circles, let alone leave an impact on them, um, let alone befriend them. I got to chat with Annis Kim. She's a first-generation Korean-American, born and raised in Philly, moved to New York City, and graduated from NYU. We talked about her journey in the last few years, how she gradually came to this realization that throughout her life, she's made choices optimized towards someone else's definition of success instead of her own. We talked about how this is such a pervasive experience for lots of children of immigrants, um, how we subconsciously shape the way that we make our choices. We make choices that optimize for stability, starting in high school to college, you know, what major should we choose, where should we go for college, to our careers and beyond. And we discussed how it could gradually lead to a limited life that all of these choices we make over years and decades sometimes can snowball into a life that one day just feels unfulfilling and disconnected from what we truly want and need. And then we talked about how to move forward from there, um, what we did personally, um, how to listen to our emotions, you know, that nagging thought, it's telling you something. It's telling you that you want change um, in whatever aspect of life. And for me, it took a while to realize that, um, realize that we are making these optimized choices. And with that awareness to begin asking ourselves the right questions, you know, what do I truly want out of life and what is not working for me right now? So I hope this episode resonates with you. It certainly did for me. And thanks again for tuning in. The way that we met was really serendipitous. In June, I came back from Hong Kong and I got this message from you on the first generation Instagram and you were just so sweet. You said you really liked the podcast Um, messages like that, especially your message in particular, made me feel like, oh, my God, I'm doing this and there's a purpose behind it, you know? Um, Yeah, no, yeah, I slid into your DMs. (laughs) (laughs) I... (laughs) I was really excited when you responded back because I really sent that message out to be like, mm. just as a fan, because I loved what you were doing. I was inspired by what you were doing to, you know, to talk, to hopefully create my own podcast, which we can talk about later. But I was just so thankful that you read it and you responded and we met up, which was also such a treat. And we had, I think, like a three hour conversation yeah. <laughs> at the cafe mm-hmm. about about our lives mm-hmm. and yeah, about just what it feels like to be first generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the pun. I love a good pun. First generation. <laughs> I was feeling very self-conscious about that title for a while because, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know if it hits and like, is it corny? But I want someone who is looking for something like that to know just by the name that this is the podcast for them. Mm-hmm. So That's how I found your podcast. So for me... We're going to talk about this more in depth, mm. <laughs> but like a large part of my identity and exploration of who I am right now is being first generation American. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for so long I've been talking about it with my friends and 
I just I was craving it in other areas, especially in media. Um, as you know, as more more folks talk about representation in media and movies, you know, I didn't see what it would feel like to be first generation American. So out of just a whim, I looked up on Spotify first generation podcasts, and yours no came up. Yeah, that's that actually how. Yeah, I that's it was a simple search like that, and I saw first generation, and I knew exactly what it would be. And wow. then I listened to a couple of your episodes, and it was exactly what I was looking for like the conversations you were having with your guests were conversations I would have with my closest friends or with strangers um, just about our our experiences and the trauma that comes with this identity that we don't talk about enough Mm. Um, when I saw your message I'm like I think I I think I did it right yes you know like I think I'm speaking to the right people and um, yeah so that message meant a lot to me Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. Thank you for um, like responding because I didn't expect I, I truly didn't res- um, expect a response back. I thought Bro, I don't get that much fan mail. So like <laughs> when I when it does come in, I'm like, oh, I'm responding. You know, let's be friends. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I also I um, I didn't even know that you were an NYU student. Mm. Like there was a lot of like we have so many things that align just in our lives and how yeah. we when we graduated and kind of our feelings. Mm-hmm post-graduation as well um so it was amazing to to yeah. meet you and then to connect on such a deep level and then when we actually did meet have a deeper conversation about our lives I think it's one thing that we spent a long time talking about was those first few years after college to start how was that period of transition for you from college to those first couple of years after yeah so we graduated 2016 mm-hmm. and I uh, so I majored in economics a degree that you know I wasn't I wasn't passionate about but it seemed like it was the most efficient mm-hmm. <laughs> degree it was a degree that my parents approved of um, and then I got a job where as a research analyst at an expert network firm in New York City it was I was going to Midtown I felt like a real New York City adult, adult. <laughs> yes exactly but that was all the first two years and the first year especially at post-grad was the most difficult for me mentally and emotionally. Throughout my college years, I had always battled some sort of eating disorder, but I didn't really, I didn't have the words for it. I just thought, oh, I just have really bad eating habits. Mm. I have poor eating habits. I find comfort in food. That's all it was. Then my first year out, I noticed that my eating would be just kind of out of control. I, I started to question more and explore more. Why was I binging? Why was I, you know, feeling these uncontrollable urges, it kind of made me realize it's more than just food. It's me dealing with these demons that I have had for so long and that was just finding control in um, who I was as a human being outside of the traumas that I've had as as a first-generation American. And these are words that I'm finding now. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time, I was just like, why do I feel so trapped? Why do I not feel happy with who I am right now and you know because I I have this job I am living with this really wonderful friend but I feel so unhappy like why mm-hmm. um and that's that was my first year post-grad <laughs> wow a tough one yeah, yeah it was tough um and I'm still unwinding from that first year too I think a lot of the things that happened that year um were just full of questions that I hadn't answered mm-hmm. and me right now like almost 10 years later. I can't do math. We graduated no, 2016. We, we graduated uh, <laughs> um, six years six ago. Years, right. Oh, six like years, years, right? No, that makes, yeah, six mm-hmm. years ago. Like it, it, it's been unwinding and finding answers to those questions mm-hmm. or, or 
even you know being content with not having those answers mm-hmm. but just yeah that was my first year yeah what were some of these questions that you were like grappling with yeah it was questions like what makes me happy mm. you know after school I was left with my just myself and my own independence and I was like what do I do with this independence mm. that I have yeah just like what why did I why am I here what led me to this mm-hmm. job that I should be content with mm-hmm. but I'm not it was just a lot of questions of why am I here what makes me happy mm-hmm. yeah yeah I very much resonate with that it's sort of this a result of the fact that we've sort of followed all and achieved all these milestones right like for our parents it's go to college graduate get a good job And it sounds like you hit a a point where you're like, I did all of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, is this it? Yeah. Yeah. No, what I 100% resonate with that. That's, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And also, I felt so defeated at the end, Mm. too, because I thought, I felt like, okay, I went to college, I went to NYU because I knew that I wanted to also explore New York City, but it was also because I knew it would make my parents proud. Mm. I got a a degree in economics because I knew it would make my parents proud. Mm. And, I got this, I have a job immediately after graduating. I have an apartment in Chinatown with a friend that I trust Mm -hmm. and I'm here and I've, you know, I feel like I've compromised myself in a lot of ways along the way. And I've made it to a point that I felt where I felt like, okay, I should, I have this job. I should feel content. But I felt like I had a lot, like lost myself along the way. Mm -hmm. And that was the point where I realized, Yeah. yeah, this is it. I, I've, did I waste all this time like doing things that I knew that my parents would like versus what I would like I don't know I felt defeated I think at the end Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's interesting is like you made it sounds like at every um juncture point a decision that it wasn't like you were against it right you weren't against majoring in economics like you chose it right yeah but I think what you're speaking to was that you made the most like optimal choice for who for Mm -hmm. stability for finances for what your parents or what our you know coming from a first generation background like what our family would find to be Mm. the right choice right so it's not that anyone told you to but it's that somehow you've constrained we've constrained our choices so that whatever choice that we do make is like op quote unquote optimal yes yes (laughs) exactly Mm. and at the end it, it didn't feel like it was optimal for me yeah and that's where I, I felt like I was at a crossroads mm-hmm. and I didn't I felt trapped too in that point mm-hmm. and thought, well, what's what's next? If, yeah. if this isn't it, if this doesn't make me happy, what what do I do now? Right. And didn't see a path forward because mm-hmm. for so long there was always a next step. It was graduate mm-hmm. high school, graduate college, you know, get a job. And yeah. then I felt so lost. Yeah. How did you like react to that then, right? Because I'm sure you've tried to change things, right? As you're asking yourself these questions. So yeah, what did what did you do to try to fix it, quote unquote? Yeah, so after getting that job and dealing with my own internal stuff and dealing with this eating disorder that I still didn't put into words, I knew that I couldn't stay at this company for long and decided to go back to school. Mm. <laughs> and a part of that decision was I needed to uh, reset and I didn't know how else to do it except for going, going back, back to, to school. school. <laughs> yeah. And my parents I were also... About that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 A lot mm-hmm. of people do. It's like a way to reset and recalibrate what you want to do. Yeah. And it's something that we've known. Like going to yes. school is something that we know about. And then it, it was also then a decision, okay, what do I 
what do I get a master's in? Mm. Uh, my mom pushed me to get a master's, an MBA. And I knew that I would, I couldn't do it. I felt like if I did the MBA it would be like getting an economics degree mm, <laughs> again, again, but more intense mm-hmm. because it was ultimately like her reason. It makes sense. It's the most logical in that, okay, getting an MBA sets me up for probably a larger salary. It sets me up for success versus, um, you know, some other degrees that might be a bit more niche. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first real pushback against my mom, I think. I didn't want to get an MBA. I wanted mm-hmm. to get um, a master's of public administration, an MPA, mm-hmm. that more focused on health management. You mentioned earlier, we, we both took public health classes. That's what I really enjoyed learning and what I enjoyed studying. And to go back to my master's program to study, that made me a bit more happier. And my, my mom initially wasn't so happy about that, but you know, she, <laughs> we eventually got on the same page and, and it, it worked out, but that was my reaction to, to what to do next, mm-hmm. what's ne- with what's next. Yeah, and how did that end up for you? Like after you got your MPA, did you feel like you were on a better path for yourself? I did. I thought I felt a lot better about the path I was on because mm-hmm. at that point I felt like I had more control over mm-hmm. my path. I don't want to say I fought, but I, you know, I, I debated with my mom and she pushed me to get an MBA mm-hmm. and I said no. And I put my foot down and I think that was my first real step towards defining my my the trajectory. Yes, yeah. my trajectory for the first time. And it felt really great. And I think mm-hmm. that empowered me to, you know, get, yeah, get an MPA and then pursue a job that was more in line with what I wanted to do versus what they expected me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when was that, your MPA? When, you, when did you graduate? I graduated with my MPA in 2021. Yeah, 2021. So not yeah. too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel <laughs> like you've, um, like this is like the right path you're on now? Like, I guess, like, have you reconciled those questions that you were asking in that first year out of college? Yeah. So I got my MPA. Um, and I then got a job at a health tech company. And, you know, it was it was all right. It was fine. But I still felt like I feel like getting the MPA and my path now is still the most optimal decision between my parents and I. When we talked about this last time, um, you mentioned like we, we were just like throwing out ideas of let's say we were to start com- like over right with the self-awareness that we have been subconsciously making limiting our choices based on stability um very narrow definitions of it by the way right informed by our family and the fact that we have the background that we have Mm -hmm. um yeah like if we did not constrain ourselves what choices would we be making and you and i were just like i don't know Mm -hmm. because to a certain extent all of our choices have been like okay this is the most optimal route to success Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. so and i looking back now those decisions started senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. It was what major do I want to what pursue? What college do I go to? What college do I go to? And then what job? What kind of job do I want? It was all finding a path that felt good for me and also my parents. Mm-hmm. And those points had to also meet their expectations mm-hmm. of success. Right. If I didn't have those pressures on me and I could start over, hit that reset button for real, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have loved to study film and anthropology. Mm. I remember the first time I went to my parents about selecting a major. Yeah. And I think I told them anthropology because I, I loved 
Like I, I loved history. I, I love studying people and stories, and I still do. And I remember my my parents' reaction were, you know, what's what's anthro what? Like <laughs> they didn't they didn't know what it was. And when they looked it up, you know, in their Google searches, in you know their neighbor, you know, the mm-hmm. Korean search, yeah, they were like, no, this isn't gonna make any money. Mm. No, and I heard that and I thought yeah you're right this isn't gonna make money Mm. I realized that I had to make a decision that felt good for me and my parents because I was I their approval means so much to me and so then kind of going back to your point finding the most optimal um, decision for both of us Mm. but still you know looking back now it was um, I see I keep saying compromise because I really had to let my own dreams go you know to make them happy um and so if I could go back I would have loved to to do something like that Mm -hmm. and even now I would love to study media film in a way that um that focuses on Asian American voices that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm personally very passionate about Mm -hmm. but and even now still I'm lost how to pursue that yeah and now it's, I think, coming to, <laughs> to like, oh, it's now just a hobby, making, doing yeah. these podcasts, things yeah. like that, and finding creative ways to, to, um, to activate these passions that I have, because there's no way to go back. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. turn back time. Yeah. I'm, I'm still on, on this, ra- uh, this path now that has been sort of the most efficient, mm-hmm. most optimal um, point for both my parents and I, mm-hmm. and I need to find, I need to get creative with how I, um, pursue my passions. It's, it's interesting because, um, I'm, I'm reading this book about the psychology of boredom. Um, and I feel like it kind of starts to explain a little bit, like it starts to put into words some of these feelings that we're talking about. And I don't know if like the word boredom is like the right word. So their definition of boredom is that, you know, it's a sense of feeling like we are lacking agency. Mm-hmm. Like you're not the author of your own life. Right. And it, I think that's all I'm thinking when you say things like, I feel like I've compromised. I feel like I just kept making like the optimal decision. And I think in a lot of ways, we didn't even realize that we were doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were just trying to make a quote unquote practical decision. But in doing so, like practical against whose standards, mm-hmm. right? You could totally make money doing things that you want to do instead of going, okay, well, what am I kind of remotely interested in? <laughs> and will also sort of bring in money and i think it took a couple of years for us to fully see to start unpacking what are the decisions we've made and what are they rooted in um yeah so i think it's like that lack of agency yes yeah like who am i living for is this it yeah mm-hmm. no i i love how you phrase it the sense of the, the sense of agency mm. because yeah, because for so long, at least for me, I I've always known that my parents sacrificed so much to to be here. Mm-hmm. They left their home country and came here all alone. They've worked their butts off, mm-hmm. and they are here because they want to give their children a better life. And I'm left with just such a, a purpose, you know. And and my parents are, are putting so much of that and uh, so, so much of their trust mm-hmm. in in me and. I don't want to let them down. Yeah. You know, their purpose in coming to America is for me and to give me a better life. Mm-hmm. And if I can't meet their expectations, 
I feel like I'm letting them down. I'm breaking their hearts. Yeah. And and the thing is, hard. like, all of this, it's, like, great that you're able to verbalize it now. But I'm, I'm sure it, it was all, like, just kind of lurking in the background, right? It's not like mm-hmm. you're walking through life and you're like, I'm going to make this compromise today for my parents, right? Because we're also adults and we know that we don't have to live for our parents, right? So it's not conscious. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the that's the thing that I think was um, probably more difficult. Like, if you knew mm-hmm. you were consciously compromising, that's like I guess preventable right now you can like pause yourself when you have those tendencies but the issue with those couple of years after college is you didn't realize you're coming to the realization that you are now living the life um that you created unconsciously living towards someone else's like standards of you know what a good life looks like yeah yeah no exactly Mm. yeah it's it's um I feel like quarter life crisis is like a good way of phrasing it but i feel like it for for kids of immigrants like us Mm -hmm. it it hits differently it's not just a sense of like okay like what do i want to do what do i want in life what do i do with all this freedom that i have it's also more like yeah how how do i just reconcile all of this with um like guilt um we talked about our relationship with parents with Mm -hmm. our parents um and you said something that I found I I like stuck with me. You said my independence is a source of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, love this quote <laughs> because I think it captures a lot of what else was going on in those couple of years after college, still potentially going on. Mm-hmm. Um, could you kind of dive deeper into like you use the word that you said that you felt sort of trapped, right, um, mm-hmm. in the life that you've somehow created. For yourself that didn't feel authentic to you um and uh, what other ways did you feel trapped yeah i it's so i thought about this a lot after our first conversation mm-hmm. and you know finding my independence and feeling guilty about it it i find it i found it in small there's examples of it in small ways and there's mm-hmm. also in, in bigger ways in how i approach my my studies and my career and my, and that trajectory and my future trajectory. It's, um, it's that, but also in small ways where if I were home and my, my parents were there, I felt guilty hanging out with my friends. Mm. Um, especially during the pandemic, during that long year that we were under the same roof together, I felt guilty going mm-hmm. out and hanging out with friends um, and spending away from my family. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I think it stems from how when I was younger, my dad worked 24-7. He worked so for, for so long and so hard. Um, and any time that we had as a family, as, a, as the four of us, I felt like I had to be 100% uh, invested and, and committed to family time. Mm-hmm. And stepping away for a moment made me feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a small way in how I right. feel guilty about mm-hmm. <laughs> literally just being independent from my family in those moments. But also, yeah, about, you know, what job I want to pursue, um, but also, like, what kind of life I want to live. You know, mm-hmm. I live in a, in a two-bedroom apartment with my parents and my brother, and if I want to move to London, if I want to mm-hmm. move to my own apartment even, I feel tremendous guilt about it. I, tr- I feel guilty even thinking about it or even talking about it with my parents because it, I feel like it, it says to them that I don't love them and I'd rather live apart from them. Um, and they 
take that as a personal attack because they've built this life. They've built right. our relationships in our, our between the four of us so closely so that, you know, we can live together and grow together. And they feel like me wanting to separate myself from them is an attack on them mm. and what they've built for us and which isn't the case at all but I know that that's how they might read it right. um so I feel tremendous guilt from even thinking about having my own life apart from them and making mm. decisions apart from them and that also means you know pursuing you know ma- studies or or job that isn't or like, in line with like their living in different places yes I think in in particular your story is um your situation is also quite tough right because Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you want to get into that yeah yes yeah i do and also you know my brother who has autism there's also pressure for me to take care of him Mm. and they're not there when they're not here exactly so they spend half the year in korea half the year here and when they are here you know it puts less pressure on me because i know my brother's taken care of Mm. by my mom and my dad i don't have to focus my energy on him 100%. Um, But when they aren't here, I know I have to be a caretaker for him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that also limits my (laughs) abilities to to move, to explore, Mm -hmm. to hang out with friends even. So I feel guilty there as well because if if I leave him alone, I also know that you know, that's not what my parents would want. And yeah. also I feel, you know, just as a sister too, I don't want, yeah. uh, it's it's not pressure that they, my parents have put on me directly. It's also just feelings of being a sister. I don't want to leave him alone mm-hmm. and finding independence away from him. Mm-hmm. I feel extremely guilty about, you know, some people have mentioned, oh, why don't you put him in a community? You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are places that, you know, will support him, you know, independently and like a place for him that's separated from me and, that makes me extremely guilty. I would, yeah. I don't want to put him in a, in a place. Even though you know there are amazing places in the city that support folks with uh, disabilities and autism uh, specifically, but I just feel guilty. Yeah, leaving him, and I feel like I would be disappointing my family too. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I mean, totally see how it would give you immense guilt to even think about going somewhere else right because in a way in your mind you're like i love my brother and you want to make sure that you take care of him but at the same time i think it's a very human emotion to be like well i want to live my life Mm -hmm. um how did you because i truthfully don't think that we like you should be harboring that burden um and it's like rough because like you don't want to see it as a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, and I'm. St- it's it's a daily thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'll ever. You know, I have to. I've learned to be okay with being a, t- a caretaker for him for the rest of my life, and mm-hmm. I think I had to just come to terms with it. And then what really helped though was communicating that to my parents. Mm-hmm. That so, you harbor these feelings. Yes, I told my parents, and it was it was a really tough conversation because you know as their they have two children it's me and my brother and they rely a lot on me not only just taking care of him but also just being in america i was i'm you know i was the translator of my family mm-hmm. a lot of the mm-hmm. things that we they had to do to to get by in america i was often the advocate for them yeah um and so to say oh i don't want to do this anymore is i i think that's or they would find it disrespectful. I also think it would be disrespectful to, to say that, but I have mm-hmm. to be okay with it. Yeah. And so 
this past year, I told, when I was really feeling sad and <laughs> depressed, I opened up and I told them that I don't want to be his ter- uh, caretaker forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have not, I've been living a limited life because of, of it. And I, my dad really took it. He, he's acknowledged it. And I love my dad so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's really, he's learned my perspective and, you know, he's going to, uh, we, we kind of figured out that down the line, he's gonna, they're going to mm-hmm. take my brother back to Korea with them. Mm-hmm. So it's in small ways that I found my agency, mm-hmm. but I found that the biggest thing was just communicating yeah. because I found that communicating with my parents too was the most difficult thing mm-hmm. because you know, they came to America with these dreams, right? And mm-hmm. their dreams were to raise a family and to make money and, and to live this American life. Mm-hmm. And I am a part of their American dream. Mm-hmm. And I grow up and I grow to be an independent person with my own dreams that's different than their dreams. And if I don't follow their, their path, I'm, I'm breaking their hearts. I'm, breaking, I'm, I'm crushing their dreams of why yeah. they came to this country. Mm-hmm. And me communicating my own independence to them, I feel like I, I'm yeah, I'm mm-hmm. crushing their hearts. Yeah. I don't know how else to, uh, right. to to explain it. It brings us back to like again that that um, the topic of agency, mm-hmm. right? Like yes. the lack of agency for like obviously for me, I don't have the the additional stress of you know my my I guess my my siblings. Um, and their needs being different. But I got to a point where I was wondering if, you know, the apartment that I bought and, like, where I'm living, like, are those truly things that I want? Mm -hmm. Um, And even that is already, like, that was, like, pretty big for me to realize that, oh, I think I've been making financial decisions and life decisions about where I'm living around a very subconscious um, desire to do what I think I should do for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also have the very tangible burden of being there for your brother. Um, So I think being able, even if you're saying, you know, you do want to take care of him, I think being able to say and communicate and express these feelings that you've been harboring so that you can then like push for some sort of resolution with your parents Mm -hmm. is you finding that agency and acting upon it yeah 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 Yeah. no exactly and Mm -hmm. and that first step is i found the the most hardest yeah Mm -hmm. the most difficult step Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think what struck me earlier that you said was like this year was a year of letting go Mm -hmm. um because last year you graduated with your mpa Mm-hmm. Um, what was it about this year then, 2022, that made you feel like this is a pivotal year? Oh, that's a good question. So after I graduated with my MPA and I had this job, it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a good job. It was remote, so I was at home all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, those feelings that I had after I graduated undergrad started to stir up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was, again, feeling like, okay, I've studied this thing that I that I wanted it was my choice to study mm-hmm. uh, to get an MPA what now mm-hmm. like what am I happy is this the rest of this is this what the rest of my life looks like mm-hmm. and then also with the pandemic living with my parents and my brother for a whole year mm-hmm. um, and then when they left for Korea unwinding from that time that I spent with them and then figuring out 
okay, this is, I have this job now. I have a master's degree. I'm to my late twenties. I'm still a caretaker for my brother. Like what makes me happy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was again, back again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I felt like I had the tools and the language to put my feelings into words. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still felt lost. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, I realized that the remedy to, to all of these feelings that I had was just to speak up and to Mm -hmm. be honest with my parents and to friends too, yeah. and to strangers like yourself, Jen. Mm-hmm. When I taught, when I was like looking for ways to um, to express myself, I looked to different podcasts mm-hmm. and and found you. And then also with my parents, I opened up with them. I was brutally honest with them, mm-hmm. um, and with friends who were like, "Hey, where have you been this past year?" I mm-hmm. told them I was just I've been dealing with my <laughs> my inner demons and mm-hmm. I felt embarrassed about my size because how I've been coping with a lot of this mental <laughs> trauma mm-hmm. whatever it is um it was through food and through binging and so I felt really embarrassed about my size mm-hmm. and vocalizing it made me feel better <laughs> and I've no I've realized that okay I, I need to this is how I find agency and find power in expression. myself. Expression. Mm-hmm. Yes. And meeting people and also trusting friends with my feelings because I thought for so long that all of this, like all of these feelings, I felt guilty about too because I love my parents at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And I say all these things, but I know that um, like these things that I've felt trauma for my parents and all this, all of this, um, but it's out of love that they have for me. Mm-hmm. So I felt also guilty expressing myself mm-hmm. too. So, but I found out that it doesn't have, to, it's an, it's not an either or it mm-hmm. is just my relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And I have to learn how to live with that and yeah. then learn how to be myself too. Mm. And do you think like, is this it? Like, do you think that there, this is prompting more that you want to change about your life? I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like a week ago when I told my parents that I wanted to, to quit my job, <gasps> I was really nervous about... Wait, you quit your... I know you mentioned it earlier, but we didn't get into that. I you quit, quit my job. job. Wow. <laughs> so the day after I... So this was this has been a whole thing too. So um, the day after I got back from my vacation, I gave them my two weeks notice <gasps> because it was a lot of different things, but ultimately the job didn't make me happy. Mm. I love the people... I, I adore them completely, um, but just the job itself just didn't make me super happy. Ooh, That's just what, girl, it, you know? <laughs> agency, this is it. Yeah. yeah, and I was scared to tell my parents because I have, there's no other reason except for my feelings that I want to leave this job. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow I feel like we've talked ourselves into, oh, the feelings aren't <laughs> valid. We're not talking about my feeling that I don't like, the, I don't feel like liking this job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But instead of, and I could have lied to them. I could have hid, hid it from them and, mm-hmm. you know, but I was like, no, I'm going to be, tell, I'm going to tell them, honestly, yeah. this job makes me really unhappy and I'm going to quit my job and look for something new. Yeah. And, and have nothing lined up and you're with, just going to have to deal with yep, it. Yep. With nothing lined up. I'm, and I told my parents that, and my dad was like, okay, 
And you know what? He 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 said thank you for telling me. Thank you for making me aware. I appreciate it. He said that to me, and wow. I know. Oh, I love my dad so much. <laughs> I he has been this. Uh, and that's been also the thing. Once I start to really be honest with my parents, especially my dad, mm-hmm. he started to treat me differently. In that, like he started to really see things from my perspective he started to advocate for me against Mm. my mom because i used to think oh it's my parents versus me Mm. you know we are two sides of this Mm -hmm. year of this battle Mm -hmm. (laughs) and instead i've once i start to open up and tell my dad how i was feeling he started to understand what i was coming from and started to advocate for me against my mom in small in small ways yeah but i i've really just have grown to love them even more mm. um but especially my dad i mean like, i love my mom but yeah. <laughs> but my dad has just i've seen a different side of him but yeah but this job um well wow. was just that was the that was a big move and yeah. me being honest with him made me realize okay i can i can trust them with my my feelings my those dark feelings right. that i thought that i couldn't share mm-hmm. and had to hide from them because i would disappoint them but no my dad was he said thank you I feel like this is such a great example of like that positive feedback loop, right? Um, Like one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is when we start reclaiming, like making decisions truthfully grounded and like what what we want um, or what we don't want in your case, (laughs) you don't want the job. Yeah. Um, When we start doing that and we see the positive effects that come from it, it only makes us want to do more for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like that's like the key. And that's why taking that first step is so important because you that's how you initiate that positive feedback loop. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I felt like if you didn't open up in the beginning of this year to your parents where you expressed all this stuff that you've been harboring, and if you didn't see how that's actually helped you feel better and also helped your dad and your parents see you in a different light, I don't, maybe it would have taken you longer to come to terms with like, I also need to change my job. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited to see like what else will come from this, yeah. right? But like you're taking control of your life. And I think that's been, I think the highlight or like the theme of our 20s. It's like we have all this freedom in theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we have this ability to make choices. And sometimes that's very debilitating, um, especially if we feel like our choices are a reflection of our parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm so happy for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. But it, you know, it's, it ebbs and flows. It's, you know, what I, I have mm. to say, what I loved about our first conversation mm-hmm. and just love about our, our relationship now mm. is that, you know, it's not about finding the answers. Mm. Life and our I, I, our identities as first generation specifically it's about asking those questions, questions. and Ugh. being okay with unanswered questions mm. and you know that three-hour conversation we had it mm. was just about sharing our stories and asking each other questions without mm. needing to find an answer mm. and that's okay we don't yeah. need to have those answers right but it's just a active continual asking. yes active asking and questioning and exploring and I think I'm finally okay with just being in that state of questioning forever Mm. and not having to find an answer that 
that, that you know comes pretty in a in a bow. It's it's mm-hmm. not about that. So that's also been um, a lesson learned from this year. It's always yeah. a growing. It's a process. Right. I think you're right. It's the constant being comfortable with this constant state of questioning. And there will be times where you feel like, I found the answer for me now, Mm -hmm. which could also change, which will likely change. Growing up, there was so much finality placed to us graduating and us getting a good job. Yes. Right? And then having a family, having kids. So much of that is like, okay, once you do that, you're you're good. Um, Cross the finish line. Cross the finish line. (laughs) And then you think about it, you're like, let's say I have kids when I'm 35. Does my life end? (laughs) Do I no longer have goals that I want to pursue for myself? And I think this growth journey that you're on is telling you that there is never an answer. And I I find that to be, so far, one of the biggest lessons of our 20s. Yeah, and I love what you just said. Like, our parents are growing with us. Mm. And I I don't think I gave my parents enough credit Mm. to in the beginning of this journey that I've been gone. Like, when I told my parents the truth, like, just how I felt, I I was scared to tell them because I thought they wouldn't love me anymore. Mm. They would treat me differently. They would be mad at me. But I realized... No, they're they're just people too. They're just mm. they're trying their best. Yeah, um, and they can grow too, and I can help them grow. Like mm-hmm. they are teaching me to grow, and yeah. they have for my entire life. And right. it's just yeah about growing together too yeah. with our parents. That's yeah. I, I resonate with what oh, you just said there. I love it. I hope we continue asking questions. Yes, and um, you know, are are comfortable being in that state of not knowing. Because I think that's where most of the growth comes from. If we just allow ourselves and mm-hmm. be open to the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And sharing too. Mm. Just like sharing our stories. Yeah. Like it's been so therapeutic to just even hear your story mm. and, and sharing. Because that's, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like we are, there aren't any answers, but we can question each other and share our stories and mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it means to be human and sh- and have human relationships, right? Yeah. It's just sharing our lives with people with similar identities and learning from each other, mm-hmm. too. Oh. So, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for that first initial message. <laughs> um, if you want to start your own podcast, which you mentioned, um, yes. super excited. We can do, once you, once you start, we can have um, another one of these chats. And yes. Yeah. For everyone else, thank you so much for listening. It truly, truly means the world to me. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll share it with a friend or whoever you think may benefit from it. And if there's anything that you want to share, you know, any thoughts or reflections about um, the episode so far, uh, send me a message on First Generation Pod on Instagram. And thank you so, so much again. With that, I'll see you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.